Ben Bryant transferring is actually the best thing for the future of the Bearcats football program. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The best part of making it through Monday is you've made it to Tuesday. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen on this Tuesday, April 25th, and every day. Lockdown Bearcats is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We are free and available everywhere. You get your podcast wherever you get them and on YouTube. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Alex Frank, your host each and every day here on Lockdown Bearcats. We are 130 days away. Now, from the Bearcats' season opener against Eastern Kentucky at Historic Nipper Stadium, Saturday, September 2nd. Ben Bryan is in the transfer portal, and I think this is the best thing to happen for the future of the Bearcats program. And I say that because it all goes back to a point I made earlier this offseason, that Evan Prater is the most interesting player in this program right now. He's not even going to potentially play this year and he's still the most interesting player in the program why well he came in with all the aura and mystique not quite like the old Yankee Stadium but still and he has not started I I take that back he started two games excuse me but in terms of a sustained run of starts he doesn't have that But Ben Bryant transferring out of the program. And we don't know if he's going to come back. He might. But him transferring out finally is going to give Evan Prater. Some of you might view it this way, and I and I do too, another chance at development. Keep in mind, Evan, let's think about Evan Prater's trajectory. And in terms of the future of the program, after this year. There will be a new starting quarterback in 2024. It could be Evan Prater. It could be Brady Drogosh. It could be someone, a quarterback the Bearcats sign in next year's signing class. But Evan Prater's career trajectory, he wasn't going to start in 2020. He was Ritter's backup in 2021. I I think that's what people forget. Evan Prater went from backing up Desmond Ritter to essentially being, maybe in some of your minds, an afterthought. He's not. He shouldn't be. But Ben Bryant was here through the most critical juncture of his career, Evan Prater's Bearcats career. Because the moment the Cotton Bowl ended in 2021, I was one of them, was one of those people, and maybe you were too, who thought, okay, Evan Prater's going to start next year. Great! He's like Desmond Ritter. Can throw, can run. Ben Bryant transfers back in on January 11th of 2022. And no matter how many times I pounded my fist, campaign for Evan Prater to be the starting quarterback, Ben Bryant was ultimately going to win it. And he did. To his credit... He did. 
But if Ben Bryant had not transferred back, I'm very interested in seeing what would have happened to Evan Prater. Would he have been named the starter? How would he have done as the starter? Would the Bearcats do? Would the Bearcats have fared any differently? Would they be worse than nine and three? Would they be better than nine and three? There are so many questions. But Evan Prater, I don't know how his I don't know how his confidence level is. I don't know. Luke Fickle said at one point last year that when Evan Prater got playing time, the key then was for him to still be the same quarterback and person and teammate when he got relegated back to the backup. Excuse me. And that was that must have been hard for him. But now, with Ben Bryan gone, Evan Prater's going to get a chance to develop once again. He's going to learn behind Emory Jones. And for, and for the first time, maybe in his whole Bearcats career, because we know who he is, there is no pressure on him to start or play this year. Largely, that's a product of him not being ready. But Evan Prater is still a very important part of this program. Evan Prater hasn't had stability all that much in terms of this is now, if you think about this, he has now played for or learned under four different offensive coordinators. He's gone through a head coaching change. He's backed up two quarterbacks. Now he's going to back up a third, potentially, in Emory Jones. But finally, you can learn from a dual-threat quarterback. You can learn from a guy who has been a Power 5 quarterback. You can learn and develop under Emory Jones. It helps the future of the program, particularly in Evan Prater, because Ben Bryant's not here. I'm not saying anything bad about Ben Bryant. I think he is a really, really good quarterback. I think he's going to find a great landing spot, whether it be at the Power 5 level or the G5 level. Ben Bryant will be a successful quarterback in 2023, just not with the Bearcats. But this finally gives Evan Prater the opportunity to develop without any pressure. The fans don't have to wonder when he's going to start or play. It could be in 2024, but at least Evan Prater now has a more clear and visible path back to the top of the quarterback depth chart than he had when Ben Bryant was here. If Bryant had stayed, his Bearcats career may have been over. But because Brian transferred out, Prater now no longer has that distraction. Instead, he has mentors, a mentor in front of him in Emory Jones. This is what he needs. And if you're Brady Drogosh, now, this wasn't going to impact him as much as Evan Prater, but now if you're Brady Drogosh, you know your competition's Evan Prater. If you want to have the mindset of you're going to chase Emory Jones, fine. I don't know if he has that or not. But if I'm thinking about it from Drogosh's mindset, I'm thinking, okay, I got to compete with Evan Prater. Then I can focus on competing maybe unseat Emory Jones, which I don't think is going to happen. But now Prater and Drogosh are the future of this program beyond this year. Emory Jones, unfortunately, and you and you maybe view this way too, he is a stepping stone for the program. That's who he is. Emory Jones is a stepping stone, a bridge from the Bryant-Ritter years to whoever's his quarterback in 2024 and beyond. But the point is this. Ben Bryant transferring helps Evan Prater, a big part of this program still, and a big part of the program's future. 
Prayer didn't perform well in practice when Ben Bryan was here. Maybe that's because there was pressure on him too. Because there was this thought for two weeks he was going to be the Bearcats starting quarterback. Then he ultimately was the chaser, the hunter, as opposed to the hunted. If Prayer doesn't transfer back here, or I'm sorry, if Bryan doesn't transfer back here in January of 2022, Evan Prater's probably the leader to start. Now, you wonder if they bring a transfer in, but Prater then, his focus is on being the starter and not, oh my gosh, I got to beat a guy who has a lot of history and a lot of familiarity with this program and Ben Bryant. Now, Prater's got a chance once again to learn and develop if he chooses to stay. I hope he does. And it goes back to the point I made earlier this offseason. Again, that Evan Prater is the most interesting player in this program. Well, we got some big news yesterday on the hardwood. We'll get to the latest transfer to commit to the University of Cincinnati. I'll tell you how I feel about it and what it means for the Bearcats men's basketball program. But first, I need to tell you how this episode of Locked On Bearcats is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back. And there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel. That's America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash on, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash on to sign up. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. Locked On's NFL Mock Draft Special is here, and it's bigger than ever. Follow along on all 32 teams' first pick in a six-episode Ultimate Mock Draft experience. Only Locked On can deliver. All episodes are available now on Locked On NFL Draft on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Bearcats had six players invited to the NFL Scouting Combine last week. Six players included in Dame Brugler's The Beast Draft Guide. Hopefully, all six find a landing spot in this weekend's NFL Draft. So much more on that. Sorry as I adjust my screen if you're watching on YouTube. So much more to get to on the NFL Draft later this week. Got big shows planned tomorrow, Thursday, and Friday. We'll get to that at the end of today's show. But the Bearcats men's basketball program landed a transfer yesterday. C.J. Frederick from Kentucky, of all schools. Ken Dang Tucky. As I forget who from North Carolina. I grew up a North Carolina fan. Used to say that. But the Bearcats do land the former Covington Catholic High School star. So essentially, he's coming home. Maybe this is a sign of things to come this week in Cincinnati. Hey, maybe this means the Bengals draft Michael Mayer, former standout Cubcat tight end. But the Cincinnati Bearcats, this is a great pickup for them. C.J. Frederick, I like it. I like that he is a really good shooter. I like that he has a lot of experience. I like that he's played for two really good programs in Iowa and Kentucky. I mean, that's that's what I go back to, is that C.J. Frederick's career has been... He hasn't, you know, had a, you know, he struggled to stay healthy. You look at his game log. He played 25 games in his first season back in 2019-2020. He played in 27 games the following year. He missed all of 2021-22 with an injury. Played 27 games last year. Missed, uh, only made 15 starts. But the good news is, and if you read the work of some of my colleagues on the Bearcats B, like Neil Meyer and Chad Brendel, you will get to know that Frederick's injuries are not the ones that are chronic. They are the unlucky ones. Now, obviously, you you might be still concerned about his injuries. I am. But what I will tell you is, C.J. Frederick, 
is a really, really good basketball player. In his freshman season at Iowa, and I remember, I remember watching him play in the Legends Showcase game. This is a game that I called one of my favorite events, experiences I ever got with BearCast Media was going to the United Center in Chicago to broadcast the Bearcats men's basketball game against Iowa. And it was a big game. It was a rematch of the 2019 uh, first-round game that happened right here in Columbus. And the Bearcats and Iowa was a fantastic game. Uh, two really good teams. Iowa was borderline top 25, and they had C.J. Frederick. He kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit because Iowa had stars that included Luca Garza, Jordan Bohannon, uh, Connor McCaffrey, son of Iowa head coach Fran McCaffrey. But that game, and I feel like Frederick, I feel like CJ Frederick had a had a really good game that night. But and I'm kind of going off of that's like keep pulling up at random here. But you, you look at a guy like CJ Frederick, who in his three seasons, his first season in Iowa, he shot 46.1% from three. In his second season, and Iowa was a really good team that year. They were a number two seed in the tournament. He shot 47.4% from the floor. And then last year, kind of dipped a little bit, all the way down to 31 point. Not kind of dipped, it did. But the hope is it can get back to where it was his first two seasons. But I just remember, like, always being impressed with the way he shot the basketball. And you get a guy who went from Iowa to Kentucky and now goes from Kentucky to Cincinnati. There is some significance here when you go from when you go from Kentucky when the Bearcats get a a player from Kentucky. I mean, this is not like you know them getting Landers Nolly from Memphis or Kalua Zikpe from Old Dominion or it's it's not like you're getting you know Jamil Reynolds from Temple. You're getting a player from Kentucky. By the way, in that game, which the Bearcats. Lost 77 to 70, which, if I'm not mistaken, was the same. No, it was not the same score as the first round of the tournament. But CJ Frederick in that game actually, and this is why I remember it, he led Iowa in scoring with 21 points in 37 minutes. He was 6 of 11 from the floor, 3 of 6 from 3, 6 of 8 from the free throw line. This game brings back a lot of memories. Like Bakari Evelyn scoring 15 points off the bench, including three threes. Luca Garza at 12 and 13. Joe Wieskamp had 16. Jeez. For the Bearcats, if you're wondering, uh, Jaron Cumberland had 18, 6 of 16 from the floor. Bearcats were out-rebounded 48 to 31. It, it was a brutal game from that perspective. Trey Scott only had 6 points and 7 rebounds. Um... Chris Vo had 11 points, 8 rebounds. He was actually okay that night. He was 5 of 6 on the free throw line. Remember how much he struggled from the free throw line? Keith Williams, though, a senior or junior rather that year, was only 2 of 13 from the floor. Rough game for him. Bearcats trail by 8 at the half. Uh, at one point, took the lead. There were 5 ties, 12 lead changes. I don't mean to make this a, a memoir about that game, but I am saying that's when I first discovered how good C.J. Frederick was. And I... I Maybe I remember thinking, if they could ever get a player like him, he's a local kid, it makes up from the disappointment of Aaron Estrada um, transferring down to down to Alabama. So I look, I, that's disappointing. But 
Honestly, if you ask me, I'd rather have a player come from Kentucky than Hofstra. I get it. Estrada was a great player last year. Bearcats saw him in the second round of the NIT. But I'm going to be honest with you. I'm very happy with CJ Frederick. I think he's going to be an instrumental part to next year's team. How many, this will be his fifth season. I'm not sure how many years of eligibility he'll have left. It's going to be one or two. I don't remember exactly. But the point is this. You get a player with his experience, both in terms of years played and the programs that he has played for. He has been a part of teams who have made the NCAA tournament. And if COVID had not happened in 2019-20, Iowa would have been a tournament team. They were a very, very good team that year who caught fire, I believe, if if my memory serves me correctly, they caught fire down the stretch of the regular season, lost a close one to Illinois on the last day of the regular season. They were going to, I forget what seed they would have been in the Big Ten tournament. I think they would have been, I forget what seed they would have been. That's a story for another day, though. But uh, he's played on some good teams. Then, of course, the next year, Iowa was one of the top teams in the country. And then he goes to Kentucky. So just a a really, really important piece of, of some really good teams. And last year, Kentucky wasn't the Kentucky we know, but still, they made the tournament. They played in the second round. So he knows C.J. Frederick. He knows what it's like to play in the month of March, which is where this Bearcats program is striving to get back to. Speaking of which, some affiliations said the Bearcats men's basketball program is the most underrated of all time. I'm going to tell you why I disagree with that. So here's the funny thing. I, I I left my phone in the other room when I when I record. I don't know why I did that. So I gotta find the source who I have to log into my Instagram account. I gotta find the source who said that the Bearcats are the most underrated program of all time. But this is true. The Cincinnati Bearcats. Interesting. But the Cincinnati Bearcats were recently, it was college basketball AI. Snapchat AI, I think. One of those two. But the Bearcats were named the most underrated program of all time. And this was a really fun list to look at. They named best program UCLA, no problem with that. They named best player Michael Jordan. I have no problem with that. You could debate Christian Lehner or Pistol P. Maravich. They named best coach John Wooden. You're not getting any argument from me there. They named the best arena Syracuse. They named best atmosphere Duke. They named the best team 91-92 Duke. Best mid-major Gonzaga. They named... Um, They had Cinderella, 84-85 Villanova. No argument from me there. But you are getting an argument from me on Bearcats being the most underrated. Typically, most underrated means that you're good and you're being overlooked. But hey, it's better than the alternative. Sometimes it's best to lay low. Sometimes it's best to just... Not have anybody talk about you. That's fine. But here's how I view this. And it's so interesting. 
when you look at local versus national views, for years we have complained about how the Bengals are viewed on a national level. But I take this Bearcats distinction of most underrated as a national view. And it is. Nationally, when Mick Cronin was the head coach, the Bearcats were always viewed in a positive light, I felt like. However, locally, the argument you got was, well, look at the lack of March Madness success. That's where I agree with. And here's what I think about. And I was thinking about this a lot on Sunday when I saw this. You as a program or a franchise, I, I, I believe this. There is an identity that is formed in a long, sustained stretch. Now, what's a long, sustained stretch, you ask? Well, I define it as 10 to 15 years. 10 to 15 years, and your identity gets formed. Now, that identity, and that identity can change. We've seen that with Joe Burrow and the Bengals. But I, I think that the Cincinnati Bearcats' identity was formed in the Huggins years. There is always an iconic era of a franchise of a program and it defines what the pro what the program is and when Huck, Bob Huggins was here for 16 years he took the Bearcats to 14 straight NCAA tournaments the very first time they went to the NCAA tournament they were no, they were a final four team they never made it back they got to the elite eight two more times in 93 and 96 they got to the Sweet 16 and 93, 96, and 01, and that's it. That's where I have a problem. And I, and here, here's why I have a problem. College basketball has so much parity. You want to know how I know it has so much parity? Well, I mentioned UCLA was voted best program of all time. That's fine. They've won 11 national championships. But did you know they have not won a national championship since 1995? 1995, they've played for a national championship in 06. They've been to multiple Final Fours, including just recently in 2021. But the Cincinnati Bearcats have not been to a Final Four in 31 years. Kentucky, who has won eight national championships, but only one in the last 25 years. And they have not won a national championship since 2012. Did I mention they have not been to a Final Four since 2015? This is, this is Kentucky we're talking about. We're not talking about just naming your average program. We're talking about Kentucky and UCLA. We're talking about Blue Bloods. We're talking about the winningest program in college basketball, Kansas, which I documented weeks ago. They have lost six times in the last 13 NCAA tournament six times in the first weekend. In a sport where there is so much parity, and you only have one Sweet 16 appearance since 2001, and you're viewed as the most underrated program. Yeah. Like, okay. I'll tell you who's underrated. All right. Yes, the Bearcats have had a lot of success. You add on nine NCAA tournaments under Mick Cronin, and they have 23 NCAA tournament appearances in 28 years. That's fantastic. How many times again did they go to the Sweet 16? Oh, yeah, just four. I'm sorry, five. 
five times in the Sweet 16. And by the way, when Bob Huggins was the head coach, only one time after 1996. In all four years that Kenny Martin was here, second-round exits. Second-round exits. And you can tell me, well, in 2000, Kenny Martin was hurting. Yes, that's true. That, 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 that's fair. But what about 99 and 98 and 97? They could have gone to this. What about 97 with Danny Fortson? Like, where's, you know, March success matters. In a sport where there's parity, success matters. Gonzaga has played for two national championships. They were voted best mid-major. I disagree with that for two reasons. One, they're not a mid-major. They are a major college basketball program. Don't say, well, they play in the West Coast Conference. Okay, they can play in a Power 5 Conference today and do well. And I've been saying that for years. Gonzaga also, again, those are the two reasons. They're not a mid-major, and they can play in a Power 5 Conference. They could be most underrated. Because are they a blue blood? That's that's subjective to one's own opinion. But playing for two national championships in a five-year span, having an undefeated season up until the national championship in a COVID year, no less, and in 2017, which you don't, which you may have forgotten, they lost the national championship to North Carolina, but they only had one loss prior to that game, one, and they had the lead inside of two minutes to play in that game. That team was incredibly talented. Michigan State. You want to talk about the Bearcats being most underrated. Well, okay. Then explain to me how Michigan State has 15 Sweet 16s in 25 years. Or UConn's won five national championships in 25 years. The UConn Huskies have twenty have five national championships in 25 years. In that same 25-year span, the Bearcats have made two Sweet 16s. And you want to tell me that they're the most underrated program of all time? And this is what's so interesting about this. This is a fascinating time for the program, but it's also a pivotal time. Because we know what the identity is. Through the two most successful, well, I should say, two of the three most successful eras in Bearcats men's basketball history. And you only come up with five Sweet 16s. Whereas Michigan State is 15. UConn has more than five. Obviously, they have five. They've won five national championships. Gonzaga has made the Sweet 16 every single NCAA tournament of the last eight. And there are other programs like Creighton, who has two Sweet 16 appearances in the last three seasons. Villanova went to the Sweet 16 in 2009. I'm just naming years I know. 16-18 when they won the national title. And then 2021 and 22 when they went to the Final Four. And the Bearcats only have one since 2001. One Sweet 16. And you can get to the Sweet 16 more than four times since 1992. Maybe it's not that they're the most underrated program, but could you perhaps say that this is bad program? And I'm not saying they are. Could you perhaps say, based on what I've told you in this segment, that they're overrated? Sleep on that. Well, don't sleep on that. It's only the morning. Think about that the rest of your day. 
Think about that during your lunch. Think about that during your whatever you're doing after work or when you're going to bed tonight. Think about that question I just asked you. On tomorrow's show, two good friends of mine, Zach Freeze from the Freeze Frame podcast and Pro Football Focus will join me as well as Sean McMahon, my successor of Bearcast Media, sports director and iHeart Media Cincinnati producer. They'll join me to talk Emory Jones, Ben Bryan, the NFL draft, and that distinction of most underrated. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. We are free and available everywhere that you get your, that you get your podcast, excuse me, including on YouTube. Excuse me again. Everyday listeners tomorrow, as I mentioned, Zach Friesen, Sean McMahon, join me for discussion on all things Bearcats football and Bearcats men's basketball. Throw in CJ Frederick to that conversation as well. I'm on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's and an ATI. Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore, and then email Alex3Frank at gmail.com. For Lockdown Bearcats, my name's Alex Frank. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. Make it a great day. I'm back tomorrow right here on Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team. Every day.